Hey, it's your host, Abigail Pumphrey, and I'm on a personal mission to help more small business owners become financially free. I like to nerd out on all things business, marketing, and most definitely the numbers. I'm talking all the lessons learned as I turned a layoff into a seven-figure online business. I like to share it all and no conversation is off the table. We talk actionable strategies, biz challenges, and all the things life throws your way. Grief, anxiety, loss, and resilience are all topics you'll find here. So grab a cup of coffee and settle in because you're listening to the Strategy Hour podcast brought to you by Boss Project. Have you ever absolutely panicked after you accidentally deleted a file on your computer? I know I have. It's not an issue if you've got Crash Plan Smart Recovery. Your files are just a few clicks away and can be restored in a snap. Crash Plan provides the best cloud backup solutions in the market. Visit CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. Now you can protect all your work with an unlimited backup and recovery solution. CrashPlan makes it simple to restore some or all of your data. And with unlimited version retention, CrashPlan can be your ultimate rewind button. Get unlimited computer backup for you or your business with CrashPlan Professional. CrashPlan backs up files that live on your computer and works with PC, Mac, and Linux. Don't let data disasters slow you down. CrashPlan has your back and keeps you moving. Go to CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. That's CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year. Back up better with CrashPlan. So I've been holding on to this conversation so I could get your exact feedback and thoughts live on the air for all our listeners to hear. But first of all, did you sign up for chat GPT. I don't even know what words you just said. I am shocked (laughs) and don't quite know how to feel about this. Okay. All right. So for those of you who are unaware, like Emily, one of the biggest shifts in artificial intelligence that I've seen. Oh, is this the copywriting thing? It's not just copywriting. Oh my. Oh my. Oh my. (laughs) I'm like crawling in my skin right now. So literally the thing that is going to change the face of our world came out a couple of weeks ago and it has been easily the most impressive thing I've seen since basically Google started taking over search. And for those of you who are unaware of what it is, Microsoft is a heavy investor, but they don't necessarily own the technology to my understanding. But there's Dolly and several other AI bots that have come together. And ChatGPT is, as far as I know, the first of its kind where you can ask it a prompt and it delivers not only the prompt or response immediately, but you can ask follow-up and clarification questions and ask it to refine its answer. It's not a input and then an output. It is all of the above. So, And it can be anything and everything. You can ask it for content ideas. You can ask it to write a short story or a song. You can talk about symptoms of a patient and it could give you potential diagnoses. You can ask it anything and everything But the thing I've witnessed is I got access. I had signed up for access when it was just in beta mode last summer, but they only opened it to researchers and press to my knowledge. And so since I was just a normal everyday user, I didn't get access. But I was in the first chain of people that got access within 
I think 24 or 36 hours of it opening. And there was over 1 million people who signed up in the first, I think, six days. It took Facebook, I think, 12 months to get to that. So like, it is going to be radical. And as far as I know, they've shut down new applications. But the thing that has been really strange is I got access originally, but I think they've already made it dumber on purpose. I don't know how to explain it, but it was so incredibly powerful and almost to the point that it was intimidating that I think they had to add limitations for fear of what it could do to society so quickly. Like, because what it could do on day one, it's like they've added prompts where it has to add its own disclaimers and things like, instead of it just answering your question, now it's saying consult a doctor or physician or giving you like kind of pushing you to ask the expert. And so I don't know if behind the scenes, someone immediately sued them or what, but I think there's going to be so much legislation around this. Yeah. And I so will be- I've seen this heavily in the copywriting world. Right. So I've seen a couple of people who've, you know, I made my bot watch however many hours of a rom-com and then I asked it to write a rom-com screenplay or whatever. Or I gave my bot like my sales page outline and asked it to write emails or something like that. And every example I saw, even when those people were pushing back on the bot for it to like, can you make it funnier? Can you do this? Can you expand upon this point? It still didn't deliver. It didn't sound like a human. It didn't sound like there was personality behind it. And so I've only seen the conversation from the like, you know, copywriters were terrified instantly that it would like take their jobs and at least from what I'm seeing, that's not the case. No. So it's an interesting point that you bring up. So chat GPT is the one that got the most press, but open AI has multiple bots that utilize multiple databases. And in my opinion, there's a playground one that is a lot more intelligent, a lot more human-like, and it really sets the precedent for what could come of it. Like, I don't know how to explain it. Do I think it's going to take jobs immediately? No. Do I think long-term it will take jobs? Absolutely. Do I think it could potentially have people be more around how do you create great prompts and how do you give it great feedback potentially? Well, I mean, so just so y'all, we had a whole other episode planned for this, but this is kind of slated to just have a conversation about the impacts of AI that we think are going to happen in the near future versus long future. So I think if you're cool with the apps, I think we just roll into talking about AI. So like, it's kind of weird because I remember distinctly when I was younger and like the iPhones were coming out for the first time, right? And you would hear from older people who were just like, this is ridiculous. Like there's no need to have a computer in the palm of your hand. And what's the point? And it's going to ruin everything. And there's all of these risks and whatever. And as a young person, I promised myself I would never become that type of person, never become someone who's so adverse to experimenting and technology and really just being open to how it could serve us. And I am open. I am like confused only because I can't fully see the Not that it can't be great. 
and not that it couldn't deliver and not that there could be new jobs created because of something like this exists, even if it does end up replacing other jobs. I'm open to all of that. But kind of going back to what you were saying earlier of like, they've already had to kind of dumb it down or put disclaimers on it of just like, unless we can get full support of it, like truly like federal and legislation and healthcare and finance and everything, if they don't talk to each other, then it's just going to be like WebMD, right? Where it's specifically in the healthcare sense of like, it's only there to scare you to convince you that the headache you have is actually a brain tumor and you're going to die in two days. And so like, is it really going to be helpful in all of the areas that it could actually be helpful in? Well, I think it could be. My big concern is that when you have this much access to this much information that's in a learning model, can society catch up with the changes quickly enough? Or will people become so intimidated by it that they legislate it to hell so that the technology becomes really muted? Or my bigger concern is that they start piecemealing it off and being like, okay, so we're going to have a doctor version, but you have to have insurance. You have to have insurance for it. You have to have training you. And so then we only put it in the hands of the select few. Mm -hmm. And I think for this kind of technology to change our world, it has to, it has to be open. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, and as far as I know, it is open source, but the potential churn that I've heard, because right now it's free, right now it's free. And I think they did have to cap how many users because users were joining so quickly, but they're burning like $3 million a day just from three, just from the users actively utilizing it. And my prediction on they had to make it dumber within the first week, that is just a prediction. I don't actually know if that's true or not. But what it was doing within the first couple of days versus what it is doing now, I feel like someone got really pissed really quickly and enough money was thrown around that they made some changes. But I think the thing that could really benefit us is I think this brings out a new age where so essentially we were... Up until now, the internet has given us access to more information more quickly. What I think this allows us to do is get more creative again and focus less on, it's less on being an expert at delivering a task and more about how creative you can get around solving a problem. Which is like literally all we've been talking about in the past. I honestly think it's, I think it could be so good. Do I think it has a lot of major implications on a ton of industries? Absolutely. I think, especially for creatives, like this puts, you know, writers in jeopardy, designers in jeopardy, like all well, sorts so of things. So here's some predictions that are wild. So I just looked up an article. First of all, here's a quote from 2018, and then here's some predictions by this same doctor. So AI, quote, AI is going to change the world more than anything in the history of mankind, more than electricity. And so here's a prediction from this doctor. According to a research by scientists at the University of Oxford, AI, artificial intelligence, will be better than humans at translating languages by 2024, writing school essays by 2026, selling goods by 2031, writing a best-selling book by 2049, and conducting surgeries by 2053. 
And, you know, I find it really interesting because I think as an artist, this conversation gets brought up. It's been brought up for freaking ever, right? It was a big part of the debate when we went from film to digital photography. I don't know if you all remember, but I was in that space heavily. I was getting my literal degree in photography and started half of my career or education in the film. And then the rest of my education was in in digital. And there was a lot of conversation about how it takes the art out of making photography and people will you won't learn the skills then of exposure and transposing and contrast and developing. And those skills just translated to the digital space. You can do all of those things and more with Photoshop or Lightroom or any other software, a photo editing software that you can use on a computer. And more jobs were created because those technologies existed and you could get those technologies from a computer and anywhere you had a computer and internet access, you could do those things. You didn't need a dark room and the chemicals and the space and that financial investment, all of a sudden that type of industry is able to explode in a different way, not the same way, but a different way. And so I find it interesting because on some level, the conversation is, it is scary. It's okay to be scared by the possibilities of what it is for sure. I think that on some level, if you are just talking about film and digital photography, for example, Ultimately, where we came to film photography was it was for the elite. It was for the people who had the space for a darkroom or who had the finances to be able to go somewhere who had it. It became about the small group of people who could afford that. And if you wanted to go get your film processed by Walgreens, like then all of the skill set, so to speak, was taken out of it anyways from the consumer. So it didn't matter, right? Well, I think this is a similar conversation of like, it's touching so many areas that only the select few have access to, and it's opening it up to everyone. And that can be scary at first. How do we protect people? But how do we also empower people? Well, I do think it has a potential to bring about a revolution where things that you do with your hands become more valued again. Yeah. Well, which we've also been talking about in the sense of learning and trade and where I think at least careers are going to be shifting in the near future. Yeah, because, you know, we were taught to like learn and be creative and you can do anything and all the things which brought all these people to desk jobs, right? And brought all these people to behind the screen. And I do think we'll always have desk jobs and people will always be working behind screens. But I do think people will start to value, you know, things made outside of that all the more. I think for the biggest change in the near future, I think is how it's going to revolutionize the brainstorming and early concept phase of any new idea. Sure, sure, sure. I also wanted to, here's a couple of other ideas that are supported by AI technology that maybe aren't as scary. And like, sometimes we think of, oh my God, surgery, like count me out. Like there's already robots doing surgeries right now, first of all. And so that I feel like would only assist and make those more precise and better. I'm all for uh, I'm all for that. Um, But here are a couple of smaller scale ideas. So literally imagine opening the door of your hotel room without a key, but using facial recognition tools. This is already happening. It's already happening with your iPhone, with your laptop, with your iPad. They're just trying to connect that technology to not just a user-owned device, but throughout, right? Getting ready to have your products delivered by smaller drones straight to your doorstep within minutes of placing an order. Again, it's already happening in major cities. 
AI-based virtual assistants will bring human-like calls to book an appointment at, say, your neighborhood salon, understanding the nuance and the context of the conversation. I would love for this to happen. Yes, this does happen. This does happen so already. There, you can, on Google, if a restaurant doesn't utilize yep. open table, it'll make a phone call for you yep. and make yep. reservations. And then this is another one. It might be a little less scary than a full surgery, but it's prepare yourself to be operated on by a robot surgeon. But it says in the next few years, a physical surgeon will only need to be a spectator as a robot actually performs the surgery and helps patients understand their options. I think that they could introduce this better and slower in like literal prepping for surgery by AI or robots. And I honestly think if we let it, if we allow it, it could drastically improve the problems that a lot of us have with the healthcare system. Preventing infections, mm -hmm. preventing mistakes. Making emergency room visits go faster. Urgent care visits go faster. Yeah. Well, and for some of that, like I imagine, you know, when you go to book an urgent care visit and it says like list your symptoms, like if you put in your symptoms, it's going to spit out a thing for the doctor saying it's most likely one of these three things. So you need to run these three tests and then like, boom, you're what, in and out the door. What do you think is happening when you call telehealth? You're talking to a human, but they're using AI and the internet and digital medical books and information to talk to you. And I guarantee you, part of that conversation is being flooded into their system and it's pulling out keywords of what you're saying and they're clicking clack it in or they're getting prompts and they're exploring. They're playing the role of the AI right now, but that doesn't always have to be a human. And this right here says nearly 86%. I didn't realize this was this high. Nearly 86% of the mistakes in healthcare can be prevented. 86% of all mistakes made in healthcare can be prevented. AI have a backup, have a second set of eyes, have someone be there in the prevention stage instead of we're already here and we got you to this point because you weren't supported. Yeah, I think if I really consider why people are nervous about it, I truly think the loss of potential jobs and them doing the full creation is what intimidates people. Want to learn exactly step-by-step -step how to get paid to generate leads in your business? I've kept these details to myself for far too long. I'm ready to spill everything and give you the exact steps that help me generate tens of thousands of qualified leads and millions in low-ticket digital product sales. I won't just show you what I did, but teach you how you can do it too. I'm talking not just how to create low-ticket digital products, but also showing you how to use them strategically to generate leads for your other existing or future offers. I'm sharing it all at bossproject.com slash jumpstart, including exactly how I made $8,033 and generated 277 leads my very first month selling digital products. Find out more at bossproject.com slash jumpstart. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. With over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. I love that Indeed makes it easy to hire because I'm busy enough already. When we've hired in the past, the process was full of unqualified applicants. 
With Indeed, we can target the right candidates for the right position. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Just go to Indeed.com slash strategy hour right now and support our show by seeing you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Money issues are a common stressor in any relationship. Monarch Money is the top-rated personal finance app that can get you and your partner on the same page without any extra cost. Monarch has built-in collaboration features, so together you can see your finances, budget, and get insights on your cash flow. It's the easiest way to manage any household finances. I've tried other finance apps in the past, and they didn't work the way I wanted them to. I don't want to stress over finances. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. Monarch has a tool that allows you to easily import your data from Mint and keep all of your tags and categories. Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to get set up, customize, and use. Monarch prioritizes my privacy, and they'll never sell my data to third parties. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash strategy for your extended 30-day free trial. But what I want people to be focused on, especially as if you're an entrepreneur, if you're a business owner listening to this, you cannot ignore its ability for you to speed up your processes. Like truly, like I know you want to get in a room and maybe you don't have a team. Maybe you don't have a team to get in a room and brainstorm. Well, what would happen if you wrote out some ideas and you're like, help me brainstorm, blah, blah, blah. And like it came out with 50 content ideas for you. Maybe they're not all good, but what if five are good? What if five spark a new idea for you? I think part of it is, can it get you thinking in a way you would have never thought before because you didn't have that? Well, I want to use it to get stuck out of my freaking mental block of going through revisions with my book right now, because it's just one of those like, I get started, but I do want to ask a question of like, what if like, throw me a scenario with a scene like this, like just get me thinking outside of my own head a little bit. And I could imagine that that would be a really helpful tool to for specifically for writers to move forward. I found another interesting point here, kind of on the same conversation of jobs. And so it says the most common fear surrounding AI is AI taking jobs. And I get that. I think that that's like the knee-jerk reaction to any new technology. With artificial intelligence automating all kinds of work, we think of it as a more comfortable future for ourselves that will create new jobs and not displace them. So there was a report on the future of jobs that AI will create 58 million new AI jobs by 2022. Like that's right now. There's an excellent chance that by 2030, AI will outperform humans in most of the mental task, but that does not mean it will take away jobs. In fact, the Indian AI industry has doubled in size in 2019 compared to the previous year. In just one year, three times more companies are working on AI-based projects, and this momentum is likely to continue. 
India almost doubled its artificial intelligence engineers in 2019, but still faces a talent shortage. I definitely think it's going to create new jobs, different jobs. It's going to be an evolution. And that's the thing. It's like, okay, you know, in the 50s, we had people on manufacturing lines and they were doing every step of the process and like people would do repeat behaviors which really broke down the body like they're screwing in the same bolt thousands of times a day and we watch what it would do to their bodies over time and so then eventually those were replaced by machines and robots and now there's people running those things like my brother-in-law he literally works on the robots on car manufacturing lines and you know, that created the need for more engineers and different types of jobs, definitely less in the manufacturing itself. But, you know, I think that just moves and it creates a challenge where I think there is a potential that in your lifetime, like in your career, you will have to reinvent your career two to three or more times throughout the time that you're a working adult. And I think maybe that's the most intimidating thing is that you go to school for something and then 10 to 15 years down the line, you have to learn a new skill set because the whole world is different. But I can't deny that I do not do at all what I originally went to school for. Does it help me? Does it assist me? Did the way it helped me think continue to help me today? Absolutely. Yeah, I think my biggest fear in this, uh, there's another article that brings up this point. First of all, separate from my fear, but you were saying how they were going through like $3 million a day running these. It says here, the cost of electricity alone to power one supercharged language model AI. So are they only working on language? This isn't science. This isn't healthcare. This isn't math. This is just language. I don't know. It was estimated at 4.6 million. I don't know what over time that is, if that's one day, if that's one user, I don't know, but that's insane. So it's saying here that there are a lot of factors that limit the advancement of AI technology. And I think we would have gotten there a lot sooner if literal cost and accessibility was approached differently. But the two huge hesitations I have, and it's not a hesitation as in we shouldn't explore this. It's a, I really hope we do it right because we've been doing things so wrong for so long. There are two aspects that I hope the people who are in charge actually pay attention to. The major one is accessibility. If truly everyone does not have access to this, it will be a problem. If we do not focus on getting internet to spaces that do not have it and want it, reliable internet, it will be a problem. We will just continue to create things that only the select few have, and that's very frustrating. Another thing that I freaking hope is being paid attention to, but history tells me it won't be, the absolute role of bias in technology. And we have to remember that even though these things can, quote unquote, get smarter on their own, the data that they're relying on was put there by someone and connected to by someone. And that someone most often is an older white male. And there is so much research out there of the biases in healthcare from doctors in general because of who wrote the textbook, who's teaching the classes, who's holding the workshop, who are the studies done on, who was being researched. All of that is traditionally heterosexual, older white men. And so there's biases in literally everything already of things that were quote unquote man-made. So that's going to continue if we don't create a counter for it in technology. 
Yeah, I don't know how we're going to solve for that. I don't know how we're going to solve for that. And I also don't know. I think this has the huge potential of creating more falsified information because I don't know how you, you know, in school, you got to remember when this came out, this technology came out, like we were given, at least I was, tools of like, okay, well, even though it's on Google, like here's how you start to narrow down if it's a reliable source right, and all right. of those things. Well, as these AIs become more meshed and like it's looking all over the place, what it ultimately creates, I think could be confusing. But because of that, I would like to see us at least for a while lean into what it could do in the creative space, not necessarily fact-based news. Like how can we create more entertaining stories? How can we create better storylines? How can we write better code to solve more creative problems, but like not so focused on news article, insert XYZ fats, you know, like how can we promote creativity and play and getting outside of your own head. But the fact finding, like literally, how do you even know? I I don't know. Right. Well, and another aspect that's, this is going to continue to happen. It's literally already happening because there's AI already in social media. You guys have seen bots and who comment, engage and all of that. That's AI technology, right? That has been happening for years. Have you been watching the Harry and Meghan documentary on Netflix? Not yet, but it's on my list. You should watch it. It is really incredible. We all know that Meghan was bullied by social media, by the British press, by everything. And if you didn't know, there was one specific instance, this will be just a very short explanation to get to my point, where she was estranged from her father. She wrote a letter to her father. That letter got intercepted and printed in the Daily Mail. And Meghan and Harry ended up suing the mail for copyright. And they ultimately won that litigation, which is incredible. It took multiple years for them to get to that point. None of that is new information. However, during that lawsuit, there was a lot of conversations on social media about Megan and her character. And publishing that letter led to a lot of bullying and a lot of social media hate, whatever. Well, there's this, it's snowing outside. It's like pouring snowing right now. It just happened. It's so pretty. Okay. (laughs) There is a company out there, a software, whatever, also AI. I think it's called like Bot Centennial or something like that. I can't remember what it's called. But their job is to trace bots and find, especially when there's like fake information being spread, misinformation being spread, bullying, harmful information being spread. Their job is to trace the source of that. And what they have found, not just in Megan's case, but what they have found is that when you're looking at hundreds of thousands of tweets, for example, and articles that are written negatively about a thing or falsely about a thing, they can trace that information to a handful of original people. And those handful of original people spread out their misinformation with bots and they ultimately grow their reach. And it becomes to be known as fact over time, right? And so her particular instance, they examined over 150,000 tweets that were ranging from like death threats to I hate her, to she's the worst, to she's a brat, like all of the things that were being talked about. They kind of filtered through the conversation and they identified that over 150,000 tweets could be traced back to 84 people. And those 84 people used 
bots and AI technology to spread their reach. And they ultimately had a reach of, ooh, I want to say over 2 million, which just like compounds once you, you know, once you start sharing. And once things are believed as fact, that's when it like takes a life of its own. And it was incredible when they shared that study of just how many other things have we been told and have we seen and have we read that we ultimately do know is misinformation, but it could be traced back to what, 10 people, 20 people, 80 people. That's insane to me. Well, and I want to know, like, as that starts to happen, how do we create justice in those situations? Because they barely got justice and they have millions and millions and millions of dollars and reach and connections and the time to yeah, barely. Well, and that's the thing is like, well, what happens? Like I just watched a trans woman get doxxed last week and it was terrifying. And I can only imagine how she feels. And we're talking about Dylan. Yeah. Yeah. Like her phone number was spread all over the internet and I don't, it's just, it's. And that whole storyline is so frustrating in and of itself because one half of me is like incredible. Like Dylan was invited to the white house. She got to speak with the president and help sign. Like those are such incredible things. Yes. Let's have more faces. And I know how drastically unsafe that is for her and for people who are like her. And it's just this like fight against like exposure and awareness and you are not safe if you do this. And she knows that. No, no. It's so I know. hard. I know. Well, going in to this year, I want you guys to be thinking about how can I be open? How can I utilize this technology to continue to brainstorm and be creative and get outside of my own head now? All of that to say, what implications will it have on copyright or who owns the idea once you insert the prompt? Oh, that's a whole other conversation. And that conversation too, I know I keep going back to art and photography specifically, but I remember there was an entire multiple lectures I sat in about this conversation in the digital space. And so like, so we use an older example to kind of... connect to the fact that you can use like a timer on a digital camera, you can set up a tripod, you can use the remote and who owns what at that point. But there's a photographer who was just based in film photography. Her name is Cindy Sherman. She's an incredible photographer and her unique style. They're all self portraits, right? So she will set up a scene. It's very intricate. It's incredible. She will be in that scene in some capacity She will set up the camera. She will frame the shot. She will get the setting. She will do all the things, but it's someone else who's pressing the button. And there was a moment and it's a man, her assistant was a man. So there was a moment in time where there were folks arguing that that was not her photograph because he pressed the button and it sparked a huge debate, but I feel like it's very similar. I think that's the road we're going to go down. Who owns the record basically? Because well, who's the IP? Who owns that IP? My concern is with it being a learning model. If you're asking all of these creative ideas, then is it just immediately adding that to its intelligence? And you know, the idea of it being open and free is great, but also we all know the moment it's open and free, 
you are the product. And so like, what does that mean for your rights? What is being taken away? And so like, as much as I say, try it and do the things like, be mindful that like, this can all radically change incredibly quickly. (laughs) And you're going to have to pay attention to who owns what at the end of the day, because I don't know. I think we have to, as a society, have a lot of deep conversations about what's next, but it's going to be happening rapidly. I imagine 2023 is going to be the biggest shift in online business creative work than we've seen in a decade. So yeah. Well, and I'll end us with this quote because I think it's just funny. So it's saying AI is becoming standard in all business, not just in the world of tech, which is what we're talking about, right? And it says, in case you haven't noticed, the tech world is the world these days. So let's not ever forget when economist Paul Grugman said in 1998, that quote, you ready for this? This is an economist. By 2005 or so, it will become clear that the internet's impact on the economy has been no greater than the fax machines. So don't be like Paul (laughs) and be open and aware to how this is going to impact things. And you can definitely have your boundaries. I think this is one area where you can't be stubborn. You gotta gotta stay on top of it or you're gonna get crushed. Exactly, exactly. So be open, be curious, stay safe, ask questions, investigate, just be open. Looking to elevate your brand without the headache? Join the co-op, our creative template shop membership. With thousands of easy to customize templates, all crafted to seamlessly fit your business aesthetics. We make nurturing leads and driving sales effortless. We're talking serious impact and seriously simple creation. Become a member now at creativeshopcoop.com and transform your business today. That's creativeshopcoop.com. Hey, a few quick favors before you leave. I'd love if you'd share today's episode, send it to a friend who needs to hear it and post on social. You can show us where you're listening from, your favorite takeaway, or why someone else should listen. Be sure to tag me at Abigail Says and at Boss Project so we can share it. Okay, second favor, to get podcast updates and all the behind the scenes news from Boss Project, I'd love if you'd join my VIP list. Just head to bossproject.com slash sign up to make sure I have all your contact details. Really love this show? It would mean so much to me if you'd leave a rating and review. It not only helps more listeners find the show, but allows us to bring on quality sponsors so we can keep bringing you this valuable content for free. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.